Um, sorry, just a little off this morning. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Jen A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, April 1st, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's no joke, right? And don't worry, we won't play any April Fool's jokes today. Today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter uh, titled We Agnostics. We're on page number 47. Um, the fourth paragraph, and it begins with, besides a seemingly inability, and we're going to read only one paragraph. Today's uh, Team Thursday is uh, Lida C., Joni C., Crystal P., Martha Z., Carmela G., Susan H., and Leslie W., and uh, the reference numbers for Wednesday, March 31st, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, are 16,678. The 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is 16,679. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose here in OA, the fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lida C. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, uh, uh, fellows. This is Lida C. and uh, compulsive overeater in Florida. The 12 steps. Uh, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, <coughs> pardon me. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to, to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through spiritual prayer and sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening, 
as the result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. I'll now ask Joni C. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Joni C. from Minnesota. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these principles, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lida C. and Joni C. Uh, for reading the steps and traditions this morning. This is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. So today, we resume our study in the chapter uh, titled, We Agnostics. We're on the fourth paragraph, and it begins at the bottom of the page with, besides a seemingly inability to accept much on faith, 
will be reading one paragraph. I will ask Crystal P. to begin. Good morning. Besides the seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. Good morning. This is Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. I so relate to this paragraph. Um, for me, you know, this paragraph didn't just doesn't just take me back to some point in my in working the steps where I had to decide whether I was going to believe in God or not and then put the food down or not. This is my daily life. Like, in every moment in the steps, I'm being pushed to see God differently, to, to, for, my, for God to get bigger and bigger than the things that are in my life. And this is, for me, the hardest part of the steps is letting go of my obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice to let go of those old ideas of God. Whenever a fellow or my sponsor touches that part, like they suggest even slightly that God may be slightly different from the way I see God today, it's like a live nerve. It's like someone is pressing on a live nerve and the level of panic and fear that comes up is, is actually scary. Like even just recently, something that's, that's come up for me in my relationship with God is uh, this pattern where time is so important. I have to pray for exactly 30 minutes. And if I pray for 25 minutes before the vision meeting, then I have to pray for five extra minutes after the vision meeting so that I... I it's like a like my God has a timer or like a he, he's a scorekeeper, and I and my sponsor has been suggesting for two years now, Crystal, let the timer go, just pray and be with God, and I can't do it. And this is the first week that I've not looked at the clock, and the first day I did it, I was so terrified. What if I've not prayed enough? What if I pray too much? Like, it is so hard to let go of these things, but when I do. I, and I think the reason I do is because I get to the point where my alcoholic mind is so unbearable. The insanity that goes on inside is so unbearable or life gets so big that that kind of God just won't work anymore. That's when I'm willing to let it go. And I really hope and pray because I know so many of us have these similar kind of views of God. I hope and pray that no one will be as prejudiced as I am for as long as I am because I cause my own misery I make myself into a pretzel for no reason because God was never a timekeeper in the first place. I am the only timekeeper in my life. And I hope and pray that you won't be as prejudiced as I've been and that, and so you won't be as miserable as I make myself until I let these things go. That I pass. Awesome. Thanks so much, Crystal P., for starting us off this morning. And we value everyone's experience on the line here at A Vision for You. We ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. Who would like to share on this awesome paragraph that was read today? Elizabeth D. Elizabeth D. Adrian. Linda D. 
Okay, hold on just a second. My mind and my mouth are not <laughs> connected yet this morning. I heard Elizabeth, then I missed someone, then there was Rick, D, and then Linda. Adrian. Fran. Adrian. Adrian. Reva P. Fran and Reva. That's good. Let's start there. Okay, let's see if I got all of you. If I missed somebody this morning, um, holler in first time and say I missed you. Okay, so this is who I got. Elizabeth D., um, Adrienne, Rick, Linda, Fran, and Reva. Let's try that lineup and, and go that direction. Give me the initial of your last name and where you're calling from this morning so others can identify you on the member list if they would like to reach out. Good morning to you, Elizabeth D. Press star one for me. Good morning. Um, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am, you can. Go right ahead. Thank you, and thank you for your service um, this morning. I'm grateful to be on the line and especially grateful to be reading this paragraph this morning because this this paragraph was one of the breakthrough paragraphs for me in terms of my relationship with a higher power of my understanding. Um, four years ago when I last worked uh, through the steps entirely abstinent with a recovered guide, and the two things that, that jump out uh, for me, um, is the word prejudice, first of all. Um, the, you, one of the things I noticed in this chapter when I was finally reading this, this chapter with my heart rather than my head, I noticed, first of all, how often the word prejudice is used. Um, several times in, the, in, the chap, in this uh, chapter, two times alone in this paragraph alone. Um, alone. And... Um, and that is really a lot, um, that has so much to do with my relationship with my higher power today, um, or how it has evolved. The other thing that steps out is this, this phrase, um, beat us into a state of reasonableness. Um, this disease beat me to a pulp. And um, my prejudice around my higher power um, and what my higher power could do for me beat me into a state of uh, of reasonableness, which had rocketed me to this a new dimension um, in my in that relationship. The fact is, I'm a very religious person and have been from a very young age. Um, I've been in, um, but that didn't doesn't seem to be enough um, in terms of finding the higher power of my understanding to re relieve this problem that I have. Because um, before I found the big book way of working OA, I had been in OA for 20 years. Um, and for 10 years, the, um, I was using OA as a diet with group support, and I wasn't willing to work the, uh, work the steps. Um, when I found a vision for you in 2015, everything changed. Um, and I started to work the big book. And over the course of that journey, I have begun to understand that being religious is not enough for me, that that what I was doing, I was putting my higher power in a living room, someone, this is a metaphor from someone else, putting my higher power in the living room while I went into the kitchen and did my food. And I was saying, basically, higher power, you stay there and I'll stay in the kitchen here and prepare my food and figure out what I'm going to look like and what I'm going to weigh. And you're not involved in this aspect. What I finally have understood is that I need to bring my higher power into absolutely everything, especially surrendering to my powerlessness and seeking that higher power through these steps. Um, entirely abstinent, one day at a time, um, 
to address the larger aspect of my disease, which is the mental obsession. And I found that in, in these steps, and I'm very grateful um, for that my higher power helped me to see this and that these, that these big book meetings have helped me to come to that realization. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thanks, Elizabeth. And where are you calling from today? She might have hopped off. Okay. Adrienne, you're up next. If I can have the first initial of your last name and where you're calling from, that would be awesome. Good morning to you. Hi. Uh, can I be heard? Yes, go right ahead. Okay, this is Adrian N. from Florida. And, um, I, you know, the last sentence is, um, sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. Uh, I've been doing this for almost five decades, and I still sometimes bristle with antagonism when I hear people talk about religion or or um, name their higher power uh, on, on the line or in a meeting or something like that. I grew up with with what I considered so much religious abuse that I couldn't let go until the food became so destructive, uh, until I was so miserable that I had to finally start relying on God. I was so angry at God for what I went through. And, And I used to say like such insane things like, if I'm eating, it must be God's will that I'm eating. Or if I'm depressed or miserable, it must be God's will. And it, it's not. It was, you know, it's, it was my willfulness refusing to rely on a higher power, refusing to get serene, refusing to surrender. It, it was all me. You know, and, and when I finally surrendered and started relying on God and started setting an alarm and, and every hour on the hour, be conscious of, you know, my life is good, you know, and, and it's because of God. Because even when I was the angriest, God still had my back, you know. Even when I was a kid, being abused, God had my back. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here still. That I pass. Thank you, Adrian. And from Florida, up next is Rick D., followed by Linda. Good morning to you, Rick. Good morning, Jen. This is Rick J. I am a compulsive overeater from Cary, North Carolina. I am recovered. Damn sure not cured. And I love this paragraph. Um, and for me, this... this uh, sums up again what they've been talking about in the last few pages for um, for people like me who were extremely agnostic, um, defiant, filled with obstinacy, sensitiveness, uh, unreasoning prejudice. That was me. And these pages that we just read, you know, it was so reassuring for me to, uh, to find out that um, as soon as I was able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe, just a willingness to believe in a power greater than myself, then uh, I could get results. I'm on my way. And that word prejudice, 
you know, it, it comes up. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. Like the word God. And here, you know, the unreasoning prejudice. Um, you know, I was one of those that was so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things like the word God made me bristle with antagonism. And my my disease beat me into a state of reasonableness. And another way for me to think about that is it finally beat me into a state of powerlessness. So if I'm completely powerless, if my disease has beaten me so badly into a state of powerlessness and I'm beyond human aid, there's nothing that I can do, utilize, conjure up, access that's going to save me and change me that it must come from a power greater than myself, then I am ready to go into this relationship with a new conception. The willingness to change that conception is there. And, you know, this chapter says the words power greater. And and this is step two. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So I do need that power greater. Yeah, it, it says it nine times in here and then two more in the spiritual experience, power greater. Those words, even though it doesn't say we're now at step two, this is step two. This is all about a, accessing a power greater. And uh, But if, if I am not powerless, if I haven't been beaten into a state of powerlessness, then I'm not going to need that power. So I'm very grateful that I, I do need that power and I have access to that power and I have a relationship with that power which today I do call God just because it's a lot easier um, to say God than all, uh, everything else <laughs> that I can say. It's just a lot shorter and sweeter, but um, it means something different to me, and it keeps evolving. It's very dynamic, and my relationship with this this power greater keeps changing and evolving just like I do. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rick J. Up next, we have Linda, followed by Fran. Good morning, Linda. Hi, Jen. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. Uh, wow. Uh, the thing that jumps out at me is the word faith. Um, and it strikes me that trust, faith, trust, is the most difficult thing, one of the most difficult things in life, at least for me because I'm an addict. Um, I'm a compulsive eater, and um, and so there you have it. Um, luckily, it isn't even luck; it's grace. Um, lay down. I have a kitty that won't respond. Okay, um, okay. Trusting is a difficult thing, and it means that I'm going to have to learn a lot of new stuff. And when I came. All I wanted to do was look good and feel good and be happy right now, which are all reasonable goals if you're three years old. But I was a grown-up. I was 38 years old. So there you have it. What am I going to do with that? Well, I did the best I could for as long as I could until I was so screwed up. It didn't take long. I was only 23. Um, and and I was broke, broken, really, really shattered. And that was a gift. I was allowed, my understanding of God, I was allowed to feel those feelings and look for a solution. And I did the best I could, and what do you know, it worked. 
And for an atheist, that's a big, big deal, that this presence, this um, essence, this energy, this principle, this presence is real and that it's within me and that I can contact it. Me. Me who has no self-esteem to start. I can talk to it or him or her, however you see it. I can ask for help and I can receive help and I can hear it either through you, one of you, or something somewhere, someone somewhere, or actually hear it as an idea within me. It is magnificent to be on this adventure and it's hard work and it's wonderful work. So get in the boat. This is a lifeboat. This is a wonderful, wonderful experience and God is truly awesome and I pass. Thank you, Linda D. from Connecticut. Up next we have Fran followed by Reva P. Good morning, Fran. Good, good morning, everyone. Fran V. from New Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, I didn't even realize how very prejudiced I was. I had a lot of religious education, but yet it, it was not enough to not only overcome compulsive overeating, um, it didn't bring me the peace, the joy that this program brings me, even in the most painful, worst circumstances around me. I have a different relationship with my God. Um, miracles have taken place that I cannot explain, but it's a result of working this God-given program. And God does not really ask too much of me. In fact, he makes it quite simple. So today I'm trusting God, cleaning house, and helping others. Um, and that's what keeps me neutral with food and connected with God. And very, very grateful. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Fran V. Up next, uh, we have Reva P. Before we begin, Reva, give me just a moment to let um, everyone know where we're at so that after you speak, we can take another list of names for sharing on what was read today. We're currently in We Agnostics. We're in the big book on page 47, the fourth paragraph. Um, that's where we're at. So, Reva, go right ahead. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. The word that is striking me this morning is abandon. And one of the definitions is to give up completely a course of action, a practice, a way of thinking. And I tried on my will, and I tried on human aid and doctor aid and dietitian aid to control and manage the food and all my great ideas didn't work. So I was beaten into a state of reasonableness. But this paragraph suggests to me that the depth and growth and development of my recovery depends on how willing I am to open my mind and how willing I am to look at where am I being agnostic? Where am I limiting God? Where do I think God cannot come in, cannot possibly do it, doesn't know what he's doing because I'm not getting my way? And how many times are they using different words for the same thing, just stubborn and closed-minded? And that my recovery, you know, once the food is down, 
depends more on the thinking, the changing the thinking. And I don't even know what my old ideas are. I don't even know where I'm stubborn until I do the work, until I start looking at the dishonesty and the old beliefs. It has to be this way. It should have been that way. And basically, God doesn't know what he's doing um, because I have my script. And when I go through the process and do the work and see the old thoughts, this transformation of thought happens to me. So this is just reminding me, like, I'm just in step two here. I just need power. I just need to know, like, how's your way working for you, Reva? How is my way working for me when it came to the food and all my little plans and designs? And how are my ideas working for me? And when something isn't working for me, it needs to be abandoned. And the other thing I'll say is, I didn't come here to be a spiritual person. And I don't do this to be like a guru spiritual. I do it because I'm in pain because my way just doesn't work and I hit a wall. Um, and thank you, God, the threshold of pain does not have to be as high. God can now tap me on the shoulder and I can get a little disturbance and say, oops, change, open the mind. Um, you know, this way is just not working for me. So thank you, God. It just starts with, I need power. I'm not, something isn't working. And then as I go through and I get to step 11, you know, then um, the relationship, the concept, all of that changes. But right now I just need to know in step two, my way is not working. I need to be open to another way. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Reva P. from Toronto, Canada. All right, we'll be taking another list of names. Page 47, fourth paragraph. Who would like to share? Charles H. Charles. Chuck K. Chuck. Don S. Don. I have Charles, Chuck, and Don. Barb. Thanks, Barb. Sheila R. Sheila. All right. Let's go ahead and start there. Good lineup. Charles H. Chuck K. Don S. Barb W and Sheila R. Go right ahead, Charles. Your service. Um, this is Charles H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I love this paragraph because it says, you know, I, I found myself handicapped, sensitive, and, and unreasoning prejudice, a preconceived notion that, oh, I already know God, you know, and, um, all through this, this uh, We Agnostics chapter, Without Knowledge, um, I didn't have knowledge as far as, you know, my compulsive overeating and all my issues, which is the buildup of human emotions, um, that God could and would if he was sought. So I had to set aside, you know, my preconceived notions of, you know, even people coming on the line and dogging God and, 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 and brandicizing their atheism. And to say the truth, I have some atheism in me as well. You know, I, I was a, a pissed-off believer. I, I'd done about 100 ten steps on you people that were claiming your atheism and just glad about it. And when I set that aside, man, I was free. Free. Freedom cost. You know, 
But the, 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 I, y'all bristle about God, I'm bristle about y'all. But today, you know, I realize that, you know, God is all inclusive. You know, everybody is, 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 uh, is, is invited to this dance. So I'm so grateful for that, right? Like, and in the big book, religious means surrender. That's all it means. But as soon as, uh, you know, Ebby said, I got religion, the world went batshit crazy. But here we can simmer back down and together sit at the table like it says on page 17. We all could be at the, the, the captain's table. We may not be at the front, but I love what Dr. Bob says. It's love and service. That's what the 12 steps boil down to. And if we can't come together on coming to believe that we are insane, everybody is insane, there's no use to work the steps. So like my grandy always say, young, beautiful grandy, the most underutilized steps is 2 and 10. And I, and I back that statement to the 100%. So we'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Charles H. from New York. Up next is Chuck K., followed by Don S. Hey, Chuck. Good morning, Jen. This is Chuck from Georgia. And, you know, it's funny, to this day, when I say the step three prayer, I cringe at the word thee. I don't like that word. And I'm a religious person. I grew up in religion. Um, I, uh, I've always gone to church. My parents took me to church. And uh, I married the, the daughter of a, a Southern Baptist preacher. And there's where my trouble be- came into play with religion. Because what I learned in that other religion was if I didn't act exactly like they acted, if I didn't do exactly what they said to do, if I didn't act a certain way and read the same religious book of the same type as they did, I was to be shunned. I was to be set aside, and I wasn't even hardly to be talked to. And I resented that. It took a lot of step work to get over that. And so it's funny, uh, you know, and I heard that phrase, contempt prior to investigation. And that's what I had as a religious person trying to work these steps. And I think the speaker said it before, the one before me said it right. You know, I thought I knew what I needed to know about God. And then one day somebody asked me, well, if your relationship with God is so great, why do you think you weigh over 400 pounds? And I thought, well, that's a pretty good question. Why is that? And that began a journey of discovering the God of my understanding. And I was no longer afraid of changing my conception of God and what God meant to me and accessing the power that God had for me. And a lot of that was my work. You know, before I would expect God to do things for me because I asked God to do these things, those foxhole prayers we hear about. Now, I just ask God, here I am, let me know your will, and I'm here to do the best I can at that. I don't have any conditions other than that. Just let me know what you want from me today, and I'm going to do the best job I can on that. And that's such a wonderful shift in my life, and my life has become so much better as a result of saying that kind of prayer rather than God, please don't, don't let this happen. Don't let, you know, all of these other things I used to say. So thanks for letting me share. And I hope everybody has a good day. 
Thanks, Chuck K. from Georgia. Up next is Don S. followed by Barb W. Hello, Don. Hi, good morning. Thank you for your service. This is Dawn S. from Delaware. And um, this paragraph is so powerful to me. Um, I um, was raised in, raised in a, an extremely um, rigid, um, bordering on religious abuse um, family. Um, uh, and uh, before, um, oh, well, let me back up. This paragraph released me, okay? This program released me, gave me permission to follow the spiritual path that I had felt from earliest childhood, um, way before I was taught anything about um, religious principles, um, and higher powers of other flavors and um you know before um it was um uh, you know no appearance of evil and and i want to thank you chuck for your uh sharing and giving a picture a taste of what i had um but in earliest childhood i loved going barefoot. I loved, you know, Johnny jump ups and soft grass and the whole thing. Um, and I, uh, I was able to go back to that wonder and childhood. This, this paragraph in this program gave me uh, the freedom. It was the willingness um, equals freedom. And I was allowed to um, let that come forward and and be me um, before all the other stuff got ripped from me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Don S. Up next, we have Barb W. Followed by Sheila R. Good morning, Barb? Barb W. Barb W. From Illinois, recovering overeater. Grateful to be here. Thank you, everybody, for sharing and for making this meeting happen. What struck me this morning is this sort of thinking had to be abandoned, though some of us resisted. We found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. What's kind of striking me right now is that pre-step one is abstinence from food, which when I came in, that's what I was thinking was the whole game. And, and I tried on my own power for so long that to have that be a precondition into into stepping into the steps seemed wild to me and here it's I, as i'm reading it it's not up to me it's not my power but it's being i'm being asked to abandon my wrong thinking and cast aside such feeling and i think of abandonment in this case of stop feeding it and and much like the first part of step one stop Stop feeding myself junk and and abstinence and sensitiveness and unreasonable prejudice, being so touchy, kind of junky. And if I abandon it, it means I've, I've taken away the backpack of its supply. And I can't do that without my higher power. But I just love that. And, um, and the graciousness of the author in the last sentence, uh, 
Oh, yeah, sometimes tedious. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long. The way it's a, he's a guide and he's not not throwing it on you and, and pressuring with a finger. And um, I just love the way he writes. What was my other thought? And the other thought that comes to mind elsewhere in the book, that it's a, broad, a big, broad highway. Now, I know he's maybe referencing something grander and bigger, but but for my for my thinking and how I was brought up and, and, and my narrowness prior to investigation and being here, that now feels like such a more broad highway. But I, I was struck that there's, I have to abandon and I have to cast aside. Some things are up to me and it's with, it's with my higher powers help, but it's up to me. Um, and that, that just struck me today. That's all I got. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Barb W. All right, up next we have Sheila R. And then we'll have time for a couple more shares, it looks like. So, Sheila, go right ahead. Hi. Thank you for letting me share. My name is Sheila R. I am from Missouri. I'm a compulsive, a recovered compulsive overeater and believing. Um, I just wanted to share on this. Um, the only thing that, you know, what it came to mind was, I was brought up, as everybody's saying, um, in a pretty structured uh, upbringing. Um, I went to 12 years of parochial school and um, a lot of recited, memorized prayers. Um, and some still hold with me because they're dear to my heart, but um, I never got it. So I always felt like it was me. I was doing everything wrong. And that's kind of my childhood. I always felt like I wasn't good enough. And then, um, you know, I prayed later on to, for God to lift the veil from my eyes because I felt like I am not getting this. What's wrong with me? And he did that, you know, you know, 20 years ago. And I had a, I guess this is what you call spiritual awakening then in my, in my life, in my life. Um, and I felt like I had a good relationship with him throughout, off and on, but as somebody else said, I didn't let him in certain aspects of my life. Um, more of embarrassment. I didn't feel like I was worthy. I was embarrassed um, because of going to the food and purging it. And just didn't, I was so ashamed um, that I finally just came to a halt and I came back to, pro, you know, came to the program. I was in program a long, long time ago, but I wasn't considered really working the program. Um, and then, I started going through the steps and I started seeing these recited prayers and because I always prayed freely from my heart, you know, and I was like, Oh no, the recited prayers again. I have to memorize. And I'm like, Oh no. And, um, but these prayers are so different because they were from the heart and they're telling me, you know, they're just mindful. Just reading like the third step prayer, the seventh prayer, you know, step prayer, um, set aside prayer. Just, it's just a reminder that, God, just, you know, I'm offering myself to thee and just to build with me and, you know, we all know it, but just a reminder that I, it's not me, nothing is me from me, it's from my higher power and I can't do it without him. I can't, I'm going to let him in the kitchen, I'm going to let him every aspect of my life because I know now I'm powerless and I am, you know, on my shame has been brought forward, I work, I'm working through that and you know, I have to let them in every aspect of my life or I'm not going to, I'm not going to survive. I'm not going to recover. You know, I am recovered, but I'm not going to, I will go back into the food. So 
um, that's all I have to say. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sheila R. All right, looks like we've got some time on the clock. If there's other people that would like to share, I'll take a couple names. This is Larry Kay. Larry? Margaret D. Margaret? Bernadette. Barbara S. Who was, was it Gwen before Barbara? <clears throat> it was Bernadette. Brenda D. Okay, let's see who we have time for. I got uh, Larry, Margaret, and Brenda. All right, go right ahead, Larry. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks, Jen, for your service. Uh, I'm Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. You know, the, the, what strikes me, so, such beautiful shares this morning, is just what is divine, you know? And it's, it's um, I mean, for me, it's anything related to my higher power, anything that comes of God. And for me, it really just comes down to, uh, to anything related to love, you know, is, is, is divine. Anything related to goodness. So, you know, we, we, we instinctively know what is good. You know, we know. Now, we may turn from that. I know that I can. I can turn from that, and I know that that is not divine. That is not of God. But I certainly know what is of God. I know, for example, this program, this practical program of spiritual action is divine. It's sacred because, because inherent in every step and, and the whole process in general is this idea of becoming more loving and compassionate and tolerant and kind, you know, and, and less of all those kind of other negative things that human beings can can become, right? And and so for me, when 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 we read these paragraphs, and when I'm when I'm in this chapter, we agnostics, and we it's been talked about these pockets of agnosticism, these pockets of not knowing. The one thing that I know is that you know that that what is sacred and divine is 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 love and God, and and so what I try to do. And every time I read this chapter, I turn more and more, I try my best, and sometimes I come up short, but I try to turn more and more towards love and compassion and so forth. And then when I see those pockets of Larry (laughs) or those pockets of uncertainty, um, those pockets of things that I absolutely know are not of God, are not sacred, um, I'm made aware of it. I'm made aware of it each day. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So... Um, so appreciative of this program and the shares, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Larry Kay. Up next, we have Margaret D., followed by Brenda D. Go ahead, Margaret. Thanks, Jen. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Margaret D., and I'm a, uh, very grateful to be a recovered compulsive eater, and I'm in Georgia. The thing about this whole chapter is it's like all these words that um, for one idea, which took me forever to understand, I can't even say that I'm there yet, is that this this whole chapter is to open my mind about God so that God can teach me about God. And when I'm thinking that I'm God, which... You know, that that idea used to embarrass me that I really and truly felt and thought that I was God. And now I look at it and it's like, oh, Margaret, you did it again. You know, it's 
it's just such a process. And it's turned in, for me, it's just turned into this very gentle, um, just, it's just a pretty neat thing. It, it's sort of like um, when you're getting a, a new puppy and it's a process of learning that puppy to see what that adult dog is going to be like. You've got a general idea, you, you know, but you don't really know the specifics. And it's the individual moments that you have between the two of you that are, it's those aha moments that they're so special. And that's what has been opening my mind about God. And that's when God steps in and teaches me about God. I love you all. Take care. And with that, I pass. Bye. Love you too, Margaret D. from Georgia. Up next, we have Brenda D. Go right ahead, Brenda. Brenda, press star one. Hi, so it's Brona D. I'm not sure if it was me you heard. Yeah, go right ahead, Brenda. Yes, please. Hi, my name is Brona D. from Ireland, and really grateful to be able to share with you. And yeah, the, I'm connecting with this passage and, and just remembering that kind of story analogy of, you know, the person stuck on the edge of the cliff and they're hanging on for dear life. And that's how it was for me. I was hanging on to the food for dear life. You know, the voice from the sky says, just let go. <laughs> and like, I, I didn't know any other way only to cope with the food. And the let go was terrifying. And I'll never forget, you know, at the beginning of my journey that I put down the food you know, working with a sponsor and and I was facing into a work situation with a lot of confrontation, conflict going on. I'm just sitting in the car before going in and it just petrified. And it was just that, you know, crying out, if there's anything out there, can you just help me get through this? You know, and I was given what I was what I needed. And um yeah, that's that's what it is. You know, my mind is will complicate the simplest of things, but that's how simple it was for me, just putting it out there and asking for help. And whatever it was, you know, still working to this day. And, you know, it, it takes many different forms and every day is a new day. And, you know, can you just help me get through this, you know, today's stuff of isolation and COVID and all the things that, that come up in, on a daily basis. And I'm still getting the help I need and I'm, I'm grateful for that. So I'll leave it there. And thanks for letting me share. Thanks so much, Brona from Ireland. And it looks like we still have a couple minutes on the clock for one more person to share. Who would like to take us out today? Susan H. Oh, awesome, Susan. Go right ahead. Yeah, well, I don't have it out anymore. But, uh, yeah, the sensitiveness, touchy, that, that was absolutely, that's what spoke to me. Handicapped by obstinacy, sensitive, and prejudice. This was me. I was so prejudiced about a higher power that I, that I really didn't know. But I was, yeah, obstinate, prejudged, um, touchy. I, I, I tolerated no talk of my weight, no talk of my beliefs, no sharing of yours. 
my prejudice had me in such fear that somebody would change my world and I thought my world was just peachy but <laughs> I I had to come to believe I I just had to see results I I had to I had to trust that this recovered person had received these gifts by taking the action and in my desperation my gift of desperation let me go ahead and blindly take the actions and the belief grew am i still touchy obstinate sensitive prejudiced i am i own that it comes and goes and when i just let go and trust god this can be taken on a daily basis and i'm very grateful for where i am and for all the things that brought me here and I pass. Thank you so much, Susan H. And um, it looks like I'm checking the clock here. Would anybody like uh, two minutes on the clock to share on the paragraph that was read? Everybody's being brief this morning. All right. Well, we'll just go ahead and end the meeting for today. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today's awesome meeting at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, April 1st is 16,686. That's 16686. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z. please read A Vision for You? Good morning, Jen. Thank you for your loving service. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.